So then let's uh, get started. Uh, and welcome everybody. Hi to um, uh, the first episode of Tensor Voices. And we just agreed on this uh, name with our guest today. So my name is Thomas and we're using four first names here. And uh, we're connected over the internet to uh, Eliana and Anna, uh, who can introduce themselves uh, a bit. Hi, everyone. I am Eliana, and uh, our guest for today is Anna. Um, hi. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Eliana. Hi, everyone. It's great to uh, be here today. Thanks a lot for having me. And it's, a, it's an honor to be the first guest on Tensor Voices. And giving the name to this, suggesting the name. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, well, I think we, I think we basically all came up with the name simultaneously. It was a real naturally born uh, title, so it was, it was made to be. Very good. Where is everybody? I'm in Magdeburg. We are really connected throughout Europe, at least I think. I am in Portugal, uh, and I am in Oxford, so in the UK. Okay, so EU and uh, beyond, uh, it is. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Okay, so Eliana and I um, uh, are making this for our Tensors course, but um, our guest is Anna. She's only going to be here in uh, this episode. So Anna, why don't you uh, tell everybody uh, a bit more about who you are and um, how it comes that you speak on Tensor Voices, maybe? Yeah, so... I am Anna. I am a mathematician, or my job title is a Hook Research Fellow at the University uh, of Oxford. And I uh, did my PhD in maths in uh, uh, at UC Berkeley in California. And I am interested in tensors in my research both from a theoretical perspective and, and also from an applied perspective. So I'm, I'm really interested in this question of how we can find structure in data and the theory of this uh, problem of finding structure in data and specifically a natural way often to look at data is using tensors. So if data comes in the form of a tensor, how do you think of a tensor? Is it like, how is that data represented in a tensor and what kind of data can we think about? Yeah, so, I mean, the first examples of tensors are vectors and matrices, which are maybe more familiar objects for people. So for a vector, you have what can often be thought of as a, column of numbers so you have different entries of, of your vector and you locate each entry by knowing um, the index which ranges over the this, this column of, of numbers and then this idea can be extended to higher dimensions so for a matrix you have some grid of numbers some two-dimensional grid where each entry is then described using two indices, one for the row and, and one for the column. But you can also think of a matrix in different ways. So often there's a natural change of basis. So you can think of the matrix as encoding a linear map between some 
spaces and then um, you want to think about uh, more uh, coordinate independent definition of a matrix that, that says how it transforms one space to another and this can be extended to more dimensions to, to get a tensor. So there's various ways we can think of a tensor, either as some higher dimensional grid of numbers where you need a larger uh, uh, set of indices to, to describe mm. each entry, or we can use this more uh, equivariant definition where we think of it then as a multilinear map rather than as a linear map. Uh, and what kind of structures could you find in such? So I imagine like this data, would, okay, if I have this like, grid of numbers, high dimensional grid of numbers, um, what kind of structure um, are you looking for? Or what is to be discovered there? Yeah, well, I think maybe a question you sort of asked before, which I didn't yet answer is why would data look like a tensor? Mm. And there's different ways in which data can be thought of in a tensor. Sometimes it's that we've measured lots of different things all, all at once. And then each dimension of the tensor is a thing that we've measured. So in the first example, let's say we have different samples, maybe different people. And then for each person, we make some measurements about them. Um, then we can organize this into a matrix where maybe the rows of the matrix are the people and the columns are our measurements. Uh, but if we've taken these measurements, for example, at different spatial locations or over different time points, then we get these extra dimensions and our data are naturally organized in this multi-indexed way that's captured by a tensor. But there's other situations too where our data naturally looks like this. So for instance, the entries of the tensor could represent certain probabilities if we're computing the probability mass function of, of some different uh, finite random variables. So that's coming from a more statistical perspective. Or also we can use tensors to encode data in different ways. So for example, we can encode a probability distribution using its moments or its cumulants. And these are various uh, tensors that somehow capture the structure of what we're looking at. Hmm. Or if we have time series data, then the, this can also be encoded as a tensor. Um, so for example, there's a, a sequence of tensors called the signature, which captures uh, time series information. And then there's this question of, okay, you have your data, it either arrived as a tensor, or somehow we encoded it as a tensor, because we thought that would be a useful thing to do. Um, what do we do next? So how do we find structure in The tensor and there's various ways that this can be uh, done and specialized to different applications 
of interest. So is this a numerics thing? So it sounds like um, a lot of numbers and then uh, computers are crunching the numbers. Um, yeah, I think tensors is a really nice topic because it sits between lots of different areas of not just not just maths, but uh, other related topics as well. So you can view tensors in a, in a numerical way and study uh, numerical uh, properties of uh, tensors, either from a numerical algebra or numerical analysis. But tensors are also very algebraic, much like the theory of matrices is linear algebra. So the theory of tensors is multilinear algebra. And they have this rich algebraic structure that is uh, very fun to work on. And they're also connected to uh, statistics and data analysis and uh, machine learning and, and so on. So they sit in between lots of, lots of different areas. And that's something that, uh, yeah, I really liked when I, when I first started getting interested in the topic. So I have a question of that. So you were not always the expert on tensors. How was your passage from starting linear algebra and then really being so excited about tensors? Um, yeah, so I, uh, I really got interested as an undergrad in the ways that linear algebra could be used to find structure in matrix data. So there was a particular uh, figure that I saw in a paper one, uh, one summer when I was doing a, a summer project in uh, computational biology. And, and the picture used principal component analysis or this dimensionality reduction tool for matrices, which finds a low rank approximation to study different people and uh, look at their Uh, genetic data and to be able to visualize similarities and, and differences between between the people and I found this um, really exciting but I also enjoyed uh, algebra so algebra and algebraic geometry so I was excited by these Uh, biological applications and how to look for structure in biological data, but also I really enjoyed um, these more pure mathematical areas of, of algebra and, and geometry. And then when I uh, started my PhD, the first uh, semester that I was in Berkeley, there was this program at the uh, at the Simons Institute, which is an institute there for theoretical computer science and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what the title of the program was. I don't know if either of you remember, but tensors was a was a topic there, and it was a really nice confluence because tensors occur naturally when looking at data, but maybe more complicated modern data sets where you don't just want to look at someone's genetic data, but lots of other different types of data about them. And then also on the algebraic perspective, that it's a it's a natural next step from linear algebra to go to this multilinear or, or nonlinear algebra. So it was a way for me to continue to pursue both of these interests and, and sort of bring them together. 
I have a question. You mentioned that dimensionality reduction was something that you liked about matrices. Do you have a similar thing for tensors? Yeah, so these kinds of tools for the matrices can be extended to tensors in different ways. And often a lot of the theory becomes a lot more complicated. So there's um, analogs of, for example, the singular value decomposition for matrices can be extended to tensors in, in various ways that we have eigenvectors of tensors, singular vectors of tensors, low rank approximation of tensors. And all of these can be used to produce tools that, that can be applied to, uh, to data. But the th theory is more complicated and is something that is still in progress, let's say. Whereas maybe linear algebra, well, people are still making progress in, in linear algebra, but it's more of a complete theory than multilinear algebra. Hmm. And this depends on where you draw the boundary. So this is like one of my uh, memories from being an undergraduate is that there's this journal called Linear Algebra and its Applications and it's publishing, publishing new uh, issues like every year. And I was wondering, uh, we, we taught, I, I was taught like two semesters of Linear Algebra and it seemed also complete. Uh, but then it took like 10 years or so until I um, started to admire all the things that are going on in uh, nonlinear and linear algebra. Well, maybe there's a multilinear algebra. It's also linear algebra. If you look at uh, uh, current issues of this journal, you find lots of polynomials and um, slightly more nonlinear things. Although nonlinear is also an ex uh, exaggeration for these things that are called nonlinear algebra. It's like dividing the, thi the world into, it's uh, a quote from a professor of mine from my undergraduate times, dividing the world into linear things and nonlinear things is dividing Uh, the world into things that are bananas and things that are not bananas. So it's very, it's a very small subset that's uh, linear, I would say. <laughs> so uh, maybe yeah, tensors maybe are like our first uh, outreach into the non-banana area of... Yeah, the, exactly. The multilinear algebra is then plantains. No, well, I guess it would be like the, the genus <laughs> of, <laughs> of fruit that includes bananas and plantains and and it, yeah it takes us that little that little bit beyond and maybe it's a nice compromise between this non-linear world that's very complicated and this linear world that we have a very nice theory for so from your uh, research uh, on the algebraic side of tensors what is uh, your most uh, fun result or the most interesting picture in your papers or is there some um, tensor highlight uh, that we should talk about? Oh, um, that's a great question. What about the eigenvalues? I, I think I mean, everybody learns about eigenvalues. I mean, even you, you can study sociology and you need to learn about eigenvalues at some point. But apparently this is, uh, it's not so easy for tensors. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, I can tell you about a project that was the uh, first project on tensors that I worked on at the at the start of my PhD. And there we were thinking about the question of eigenvectors of a uh, tensor. Uh, so this was a, a joint work with Bernd Stubfuss, my PhD advisor, and uh, Hiratashi Abo, who was visiting for this program 
I was talking about. And the question we were looking at is, if you have a matrix, you can ask what are the possible vectors you can get as the eigenvectors of that matrix. And similarly, you can ask the same question for a tensor. So I have a collection of vectors. How, how can I tell if they're the eigenvectors of some uh, tensor or not? Or, and there's, uh, but maybe the first question to ask is how many eigenvectors does a tensor have? So uh, for matrices, this is also an interesting question to ask. And we, uh, let me try and remember what we were doing. So that's so, like an eigen, so if I think about like my basic linear algebra course, a matrix eats like one vector and produces another vector. And so an eigenvector is something where I get a scalar multiple of the the vector I put in. And then I have like eigenspaces. But so if a tensor is has like more dimensions in a, as a number array than a matrix, it could maybe, so let's say if it's three-dimensional, does it then uh, eat two vectors and produce one vector? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So, well, for a matrix, we can think of it in maybe two related ways. So we can either look at the singular vectors of a matrix or the eigenvectors of a matrix. So in the eigenvector case, we just have one vector and the matrix eats the vector and we want it to produce a, a scalar multiple of that same vector. Uh, but for singular vectors, it's a bit different. We have then a pair of vectors, let's say V and W, and the matrix eats one and gives you a linear combination of the other, or eats the other one and gives you a linear combination. So mm. yeah, a scalar multiple of the first one. Hmm. So Again, you but, make but, some invariant formulation that's that's kind of not caring too much about the, the roles of who gets eaten and who gets, who comes out. <laughs> yeah. I can see how that um, becomes an issue if you don't have only two directions. Yeah. yeah. So then, so then for a tensor, well, lots of things become an issue. That's the, that's the, that's the main story of tensors. We're trying to extend linear algebra. The main thing is that lots, lots of issues. world. And uh, does it work? No, everything breaks. So that's what's, uh, yeah, either demoralizing or inspiring, I, I guess. I have one question about it. Does everything break? Is there maybe something that becomes better if you are like in high dimensions? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a, a really good question. And that's true that some stuff does become better. I mean, from an applied perspective, what becomes a lot better is you can capture much more complicated information so rather than just taking one type of measurement you can take many different types of measurements and look at how they're all interrelated so from uh maybe more data analysis perspective that's what's really uh, exciting that you can extract finer details in understanding a problem but also from a theoretical perspective some things become better so a problem with matrices is that if you want to write a matrix as a sum of rank one matrices, this is not unique. So there's lots of different ways to, to do this and you have to impose extra conditions to get something unique. But for tensors, this uniqueness holds much more generally. So you can hope to write your tensor as a sum of these building blocks, these rank one tensors, 
and in under certain conditions, which often hold in in practice, this uh, expression for your tensor as the sum of building blocks will be unique, and that's very helpful because you um, yeah you don't want to ask your computer the same problem, the same question multiple times and get different answers. That then. Yeah, I wrote this. I read this quote in Landsberg's uh, book where he says, like, if you're uh, the part of your brain that cuts gets cut out in uh, the next surgery, is the result of such a computation. You want to <laughs> at least have it a unique answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you can you can think about these building blocks and how to uh, yeah how to interpret them. But if yeah if your computer gives you a different answer every day, then that's um, yeah, that's going to be quite an ordeal. Every day you have to wake up, you ask the computer, what are my building blocks today? And then you have <laughs> to interpret them. Yeah, very nice. Anything else? What is the future of tensors? What is the future of tensors? The future of tensors? Well, I think, let's say in the in the short term or maybe in the, in the more medium term, there's this uh, program that I am participating virtually in at the Institute for pure and applied mathematics, which is in uh, in LA, and they have a program at the moment, which it just started this week, called uh, Tensor Methods and Emerging Applications to the Physical and Data Sciences. So, I think the future will uh, be perhaps in the short term, bringing together of people working in tensors from different perspectives so from an algebraic perspective from a data science perspective from a physics perspective where they are used a lot in the study of quantum many body systems so i think the the future of tensors is to is to bring these perspectives together and also to advance this algebraic uh, theory there's questions that are very easy to answer for matrices that are still very difficult for us to understand for uh, for tensors, like uh, finding the rank of a tensor or a low rank approximation or or something something like that. So yeah, more algebraic theory and closer connections to other areas of, of science. Okay, very nice. I, th I find this very exciting that um, areas of science and applications are uh, so closely connected to algebra. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Thanks, Anna. That was um, very enlightening uh, to learn about tensors here on Tensor Voices. Um, the series will continue eventually. Thank you so much, Anna. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. It was great to talk to you, talk to you both. I mean, maybe the students will of your course will also be interested to hear what made the two of you interested in, in tensors. So maybe for this first episode, I can uh, surprise you both by turning things around and, and quizzing you on, on your perspective on tensors as well. Um, so I think, uh, so this is inside of a, a research training group on complexity reduction. So I um, like to think, would like to think more about Uh, the complexity uh, that's uh, coming with going to a higher and higher dimensional data structures. So the, the amount of numbers you can s 
if this like the length of a vector is n and then uh, the number of uh, entries that a matrix has is n squared and then a tensor a three-dimensional tensor has n cubed and uh, so it goes on so um, i think dealing with this complexity uh, finding data structures uh, for tensors and finding algorithms um, that's uh, something that interests me Uh, and I would like to learn more about. I don't know if it's uh, part of this course uh, too much because the course is an algebra of tensors, but uh, maybe algebra can also contribute. Um, of course, so this we will talk about this eventually. Um, this whole tensor story is also connected to fundamental questions of computer science uh, that are connected to P versus NP and uh, so on. But it's like maybe a little different from the data structures uh, aspect. Just if you can't store n to the 17 numbers in your computer, uh, then uh, what do you do? You still want to work with some approximation and maybe how to incorporate sparsity or um, low rank structures. I like computers, so I also like algebra. But So for me, um, I'm interested in complexity reduction uh, for this class that we're teaching, and I think tensors achieve that in uh, different settings, such as maybe matrix multiplication and also you know, to understand complex data. And um, I only learned, started learning about tensors like uh, three years ago and I find it a very exciting topic and a topic that comes up uh, in, in many maybe papers that you want to read about applications, they consider a tensor, uh, maybe from the more algebraic perspective or the analytical perspective. And it's nice to have some basic ground knowledge that helps you navigate all these increasing literature from different um, fields of science. So I, I think it's very important for, for people to learn to navigate all the wide range of applications that it's out there. So just as you mentioned, you know, maybe the future of tensors is bringing people together to move these forward. And part of that also means teaching about tensors and letting more people know about tensors. Yeah, it feels a bit, um, I don't know, we, we don't, I don't feel like an expert uh, on tensors. So it's more like a learning experience. Uh, It's Same good here. that there, you know, there are also uh, good references now. It seems to be like, so there's this book of Landsberg that we're using and uh, Mateusz and Bern's Nonlinear Algebra book has a very nice uh, chapter about it. It's a good opportunity to learn for us. Yeah, and you, so you've both worked in uh, statistics and using algebraic tools in, in statistical applications. Are there particular uh, statistical contexts maybe in your own research where you'd be, where you're you think tensors would be a good uh, tool? Um, Sorry for the spontaneous I, interrogation. So, so the, the in algebraic <laughs> statistics for discrete <laughs> random variables, you always store this, store the probabilities in some sort of tensors. But that's there's not so much tensory things going on there. Yeah, so it's there. It's like a way to organize numbers. Um, so that's why I, I'd love to, and I'm looking forward to learn about all these uh, more sophisticated and more so, theoretical so for things. So me, for me, I like the, 
Uh, so graphical models with hidden variables uh, can be, uh, for discrete variables, can be represented uh, by a tensor and you're interested in the rank of that tensor. And I've seen some results that um, use these um, theorems about tensor rank that let you know whether uh, your statistical model is identifiable and so on. So I wanted to like expand my knowledge of, of tensors in that way. And I actually, now that I think about it, for my PhD thesis, I worked on something called tensor product surfaces. So they're not directly linked to tensors as we have been talking, but uh, let's say this tensor product situation has been in my like, scientific life, life since the beginning. So my, the beginning of my scientific life started with uh, studying physics and uh, tensors are very different animals there. I, I had the feeling that uh, it's also uh, useful to gain different perspectives on tensors, um, especially when it comes to people. So maybe so one area where it comes up is this general relativity, um, where when you take a course on this, you learn about all these Einstein summation convention and all these like notational gadgets that um, physicists invented to deal with uh, many indices. So it, I, at least I don't want that to be the... It's an interesting perspective, but I don't want that to be the only perspective. Um, the perspective of a natural continuation of linear algebra uh, into more modern areas is maybe also a useful perspective. Do you have any more spontaneous questions? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, well, I, I really enjoyed your answers to those questions, so thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thanks to you.